Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Rosie Ward about rehumanizing the workplace after COVID, civil unrest, and a fractured economy. Rosie Ward, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a conversation. We we were just chatting about our weekend in the pre-interview and talking about illnesses and such. It actually fits well with our topic for today, uh, which is rehumanizing the workplace. We're in the middle of this COVID pandemic that's going on two years. There's been you know, tremendous amounts of civil unrest and interesting, you know, fractured economy that everyone's been trying to deal with employers trying to stay afloat uh, while uh, taking care of their people. The reality is, it's been a really hard time for business over the last couple of years, it's been a really hard time for organizations. And some have done a really good job at keeping connected with their people and, and humanizing them and and really seeing them for who they are and what they need and and supporting them in that and others not so much. For those that have been doing it well, we're going to try to reinforce that through some of the conversation we have. And for some who haven't been doing it so well, uh, we're going to talk about what we can do to go about rehumanizing our people and rehumanizing the workplace to make sure it's a thriving, optimal environment, you know, a healthy environment that everyone can, you know, really be successful both for themselves personally, for their teams, as well as for the organization. As we get started, I wanted to share Rosie's bio with everybody. Rosie Ward is a nonstop powerhouse sought after speaker, writer, coach, and accomplished consultant. She has spent more than 20 years in worksite health promotion and organizational development, blending the disciplines to work with executive and leadership teams to enhance effectiveness by shifting thinking patterns. Rosie has a PhD in organization and management, and she uses her extensive knowledge to help organizations develop and implement strategies to create a thriving workplace culture that values and supports well-being and the unique intrinsic needs of employees. Uh, And I could go on and on and on with all of your accomplishments, but Rosie, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we dive on in further? Yeah, no, I would just say that, you know, I'm a lifelong learner and I just keep adding certifications and reading and I just feel like this journey is never done. And I will just say that the more that I learn, there's nothing profoundly new anymore. It's just a reinforcer or someone saying in a different way, which is, which is kind of reassuring that, you know, there's no new breakthrough. It's this is human behavior. This is what happens when we're together in a workplace. And so, um, yeah, I keep learning more tools to kind of help support it, but, um, it's, yeah, I just think that the, the journey never ends and the, the constant consistent theme comes up, whether it's this training, this tool, this book of we need to have more human workplaces and we need to really recognize what it means to be human so that we can own our own stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, so let's start there. Let's start about what it means to be human. If we're going to rehumanize, we need to know what it means to be human in the first place. So what does that mean to you? Um, and then we can start to talk about, you know, how we pull that together, um, and reinforce that, sustain that kind of a culture within our organizations. Yeah. For me, what it means to be human is one, you talked about this, like, do we know our people? Are we in touch with them? It is a core human need to feel like we are heard and seen and to feel like we matter. And so we could go on a whole thing about that. But when you have people in society who have been diminished, who have not been able to be heard and seen and don't feel like they matter, it violates a core human need. What it means to be human is that we are neurobiologically hardwired to be in connection with other human beings. So when we are isolated from people or we don't feel connected, or again, we don't feel like someone cares about us, even if we're an introvert, it's problematic, right? We are social species. What it means to be human is that we are also feeling and emotional beings more so than logical. And so we have to recognize and look at how do we start to become more emotionally literate and emotionally agile and how do we tend to that? And as workplaces, we also have to not only help people tend to that, but we have to tend to that. I think Brene Brown has a great quote in Dare to Lead where she says leaders can spend a reasonable amount of time tending to feelings or an unreasonable amount of time dealing with problematic behavior. And I think also what it means to be human is that we are messy beings and we get in our own way. We tell ourselves stories to make sense of our experiences, but a lot of times those stories are very self-limiting and help us feel safe, but they keep us very small from having the impact we wanna have from living a life we love. And so all of those things really make up what does it mean to be human and so then when I think about from a workplace standpoint are we honoring that and creating space for that or are we trying to make people into AI robots and forgetting that this messiness comes with it and the more that our environment is disruptive and chaotic around us the more that humanity is going to come through and we have to help people process it and still find a path forward that's effective. Yeah and I've definitely worked in workplaces in the past that really treated their people like they were just cogs in a machine, um, really just interchangeable. Uh, they just need a butt in a seat. Here are the processes, do these things. And it, honestly, it's like you could have a robot do, do this the way they wanted you to do it. And um, those are terrible places to work. Uh, you, they're, they're just not engaging at all. And, you know, people work there out of economic necessity, really. Um, and so if they have other options, they're not going to work there. So uh, we know in a, in a la tight labor market, like we're in right now, those types of jobs are really struggling to get good people because they often don't want to pay very much because they're kind of rote. Um, and, and they don't take a lot of, you know, thinking and ingenuity and, and whatnot. And so they don't want to pay as much, but they can't attract people and people don't want to go there in the first place because they're crummy jobs. We, we have to be thoughtful and mindful about that just in the sense of, hey, let's attract and retain some decent people so we can actually provide the product or service we're trying to, you know, uh, bring to the market. Uh, but I've had those experiences with really crummy companies that have just treated their people like that consistently. And I know I didn't stay. I don't know how long other people stuck around. Um, but it's, it's really, really hard to be invested in that kind of an environment. And then I juxtapose those experiences with others where I've been in organizations where they just 
I mean, they're all about you as the individual, bring your whole authentic self to work, bring your talents, your unique skills and abilities, be creative, contribute, push back, challenge, you know, like be part of the conversation. And those are invigorating places to be still sometimes frustrating, still sometimes, you know, not, nothing's always roses, but just way more invigorating of a, of a kind of an environment to be in. And you feel heard, you feel valued. Uh, and, and you know that what you're doing matters. And, and I suppose I've been in other organizations that were somewhere in the middle, but the reality is the ones I want to be in, uh, the ones I want, the type of organization, the type of culture I want to create for my team is, you know, that, that second one I mentioned where really, truly, we're just giving everyone an opportunity to, to be part of something really important, uh, where they get to bring their creative, authentic self to the work. That's a scary idea to a lot of leaders. Uh, a lot of leaders don't really know how to do that. Um, what, what can we do to start to create that kind of an environment? And it perhaps set aside some of our own limiting thoughts and beliefs that we may have had instilled in us as leaders, you know, because frankly, most leaders haven't been trained in this and they're just doing the best they know how. And they're often just replicating what they've seen other people do. Yeah, there's a whole lot in that. And I would say you're right, which I think is why the, I think that there's now been a growing resurgence in recognizing not just leadership development, but human development, because I think the pandemic has revealed, it reveals a lot about individuals and organizations, kind of the strength, not just strength of character, but where there's gaps. And I think a lot of people realize, oh my goodness, like I am not equipped to lead through this disruptive environment and these emotions and this messiness of being human. And that's not what I was taught. And maybe I now feel inadequate or my views of leadership have changed. And now am I obsolete? And there's all this kind of stuff that they're all messiness that gets in there. And so there's a few things you talked about that I think are important. One is Yes, there's certainly some roles that might be more appealing than others, but there are so many examples. Like I think about Kristen Hadid's early version of Student Made before they transitioned to actually being a leadership development company. I mean, cleaning for a lot of people may not be the most glamorous job, but that your product or your service isn't why you exist. It's a conduit to further your purpose. And their purpose was really training next generation leaders. They just happen yeah. to do that through Yes, We Clean, right? Or you look at the research on job crafting and you see, you know, when people feel like they're part of something. So you said something really important of, are they part of something? And so it's more about the company purpose and it's not about your product or service. Your product or service is a conduit to help you further that purpose. Whether you are a truck driver, whether you are a restaurant worker, whether you are, uh, you know, in cleaning services or sanitation or, you know, repair work, it doesn't matter. It's about do you feel connected to a higher purpose and you see that you are contributing to something bigger than yourself and you're part of something bigger than yourself and you're moving towards something. And that that's a really important part. And so these organizations, like you think about, like, let's just take the hospitality industry, those that are struggling, I go to, it's not about the job, it's about their culture because there are some that are not right. And so why is it that in some of these uh, types of work and types of positions, people they're not going to put up with it anymore. I think the pandemic has had people rethink their priorities and re-go, you know, is this worth it? And my family's more worth it. And we've been through so much. And what do I want the next iteration of my life to be? And so I think what organizations can do is, first of all, just, you know, do you have a sense of your people leadership bench strength and look at, you know, where are they actually equipped to do this? And where is it like, there's nothing wrong, but like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. Like we always need to constantly learn and develop. And there's something to be said for thoughtfully investing in 
your leadership in a way that helps them strengthen what's called the inner game of leadership. So emotional intelligence, self-awareness, emotional agility, that narrative we tell ourselves before we just go to skills, right? And are you helping them do that well? Are you creating an environment where everybody gets to show up as a leader, whether they have a formal role or not, right? And be heard and seen in value. And some of this is just kind of human connection, human dynamics 101, but we have to be retrained, right, to do that. And so I think rather than looking at it as scary, it's more of, gosh, I have this opportunity to have such an impact that I haven't had before. I have an opportunity to like, to use old school Jim Collins, go from good to great. I have an opportunity here to really like leave a mark or leave a legacy. Like it's, how do you shift that story of, ooh, this is scary. I haven't learned how to, I have an opportunity to totally do something um, more impactful than I had before or to create a different team dynamic. How exciting is that? Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely exciting. And just to reiterate your point that it really can be any organization. It can be any type of work, any types of jobs. Um, I like how you're focusing on the product or service being the conduit for the, the, the mission, the values and the culture of the organization. I was listening yesterday to uh, the most recent Josh Burson uh, podcast episode, and he made that point very well. He was talking about Starbucks uh, and, and how Starbucks, you know, what, what do they do? Are they just a, a coffee shop? Um, well, no, they're, they're not. Maybe originally they were, but they're not really a coffee shop. They're, they're a place where people can go and make their day better. Some people go to get coffee. Other people go to sit and work on their computer and, you know, enjoy the ambiance and, and so on and so forth. Like, and they, and they offer a lot of other things besides just coffee. And so the reality is coffee is just, one way that they go about fulfilling their mission, uh, but that's not really who they are, what they're trying to do. And, and there are thousands of examples of companies that try to do this. And then there are thousands of examples of companies that don't do this and, or, or do it very poorly. Um, and so, so absolutely focus on what your, your core mission and values are, and then whatever product or service you're trying to provide or create, 
to add value to the market. Um, that's that's a conduit to to allow you to engage your people, to involve them and connect with them and have them connected to something more meaningful, more purposeful, more fulfilling. Um, and that's and honestly, in large part, just that humanizing element um, is going to do so much to attract, help you attract and retain really great people and to help create a thriving environment where everyone can continually learn, continually create, continually innovate and such to help the organization succeed. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more. We've already kind of re- referenced COVID. Um, now, clearly, this has been a challenging couple of years. Uh, but even pre-COVID, you know, we, it's, we've lived in a time of tremendous disruption, technological disruptions, um, shifting the nature of work and the types of roles people play and, and the types of tasks that they do. Um, there's been all the civil unrest. We have the, the, the health issues. We have the connected economic issues. Um, why, why do you think it's more important now than ever that we have this kind of rehumanizing approach to how we work with our people within our organizations? That's a great question. And I think if I was going to sum it up, and I I haven't fully baked this thought, but it's really that if I go back to when you asked me, what does it mean to be human? And here's the thing, when our core human needs and our humanity feels threatened, we unconsciously double down on self-protection. So you can look at all the different leaders in the neuroscience and neural leadership space. And our brains don't know the difference between an actual physical threat and a perceived social threat. And so when you start to look at the collision of all of these things, if, if I feel like my status or my relationship or my certainty or my autonomy or these different things are, are threatened, it's an automatic response in the brain. I go into amygdala hijack, I fight, flight, or freeze. And so when you look at all of these different things colliding, so pandemic, hugely disruptive, puts people into fight, flight, or freeze. You're fighting about math, they're fighting about science. I mean, I didn't know when science was an argument, but I guess, you know, but we learn more, right? And you look at what's happening with the civil unrest and people being dehumanized because it helps, it makes it easier for me to diminish or um, belittle another group, right? Or, oh my gosh, it's really unsettling. You know, I live in Minneapolis. That's where George Floyd was murdered. I remember, you know, when, when it all started and I just started to be so uncomfortable and lean into, oh my gosh, I'm a white female. I never learned this stuff growing up. Well, I can double down and go, oh, shouldn't teach that. Or I want to learn what's real because I need to understand, right? And so I think there's an opportunity to lean into curiosity and to lean into getting to know people as human beings, not this idea we've created, not this dehumanization filter story we've told ourselves. And so with all of this stuff happening, our common humanity is it's in our human DNA to get triggered, to use Brene Brown's language, to armor up and self-protect. It is in our human DNA to do that. And I I really think that all of these issues we're facing are becoming worse and harder because people aren't recognizing that that's what's happening to them. And they're also not recognizing that that's what's happening to their colleague and to their neighbor. And so instead of going, okay, I have some work to do on myself. Oh, I have some work to do to lean into curiosity and understanding and empathy and listening. We're just digging our heels in and having temper tantrums and asserting our rightness and our, our self-protection. And you can't find a path forward when, you know, I'm dead set on being right and someone else is dead set on being right. We can't be judging and righteous and be connected and in service at the same time. And so I think now more than ever, we're not going to get past this stuff or through this stuff 
if we aren't willing to get a little uncomfortable ourselves and you know do some self-reflection, do some looking in the mirror, do some re to Adam Grant to unlearn and relearn, there's a whole lot of unlearning and relearning that needs to happen. And so if we aren't equipped with some skills on how do I do that and we don't collectively do that, it's going to be really hard to find a path forward. And so I just think it's these are such important issues and such important times. And we have an obligation to our future. Like I have a son who's 11. You know, I want, I want him to be in a safe, loving, connected world. Like we have an obligation to those that come after us to find a path forward. So much of that dehumanization that you're describing, you know, happening on social media, for example, it's not necessarily workplace driven, um, but societally we're, we're seeing this dehumanization and, and we just otherize people constantly. <laughs> um, and, and we have all these unhealthy types of conversation, quote unquote conversations. They're not even conversations because nobody's really listening there. People are just kind of shouting at each other via social media and then trying to do mic drop moments constantly instead of actually engage and better understand where people are coming from. Um, now, certainly then some of this baggage though comes into the workplace. Like we bring it in with us and oh, for sure. Right. Because we, we tend, we're, again, we're social animals. We tend to work with labels. We tend to, uh, you know, work with kind of, uh, we, we, we tend to uh, categorize and dump people into buckets, right? For whatever reason, for better or for worse, that's, that's how we're set up. That's how we function, unless we know we're doing it and we can take a step back and try to keep ourselves from doing it. And so, you know, there are, there are so many unhealthy ways that we can try to categorize other people around us, all of which are essentially dehumanizing them because rather than seeing them as a unique individual uh, with unique context and experiences and challenges and opportunities and like all these things, all these things that go into shape that person and how and why they think the way they think and, or how and why they do what they do. Uh, we, we, you know, boil it all down to some trite little thing. We label them. And then all of a sudden we say, see, they're stupid. Uh, and so now I don't even have to pay attention to them. <laughs> right. Yep. That's what, that's what, what we're constantly doing. Oh, we totally are. You know what? Every time this conversation comes up, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Avatar, but this is like what a dork I am. But back when it came up, I'm like, see, like the humans thought that these blue Avatar people had no value, whatever. And, and the Avatars have this line in the movie where they say, I see you. Like, I see you. I see beyond your human skin. I see you. I see you as, a, right? And like, you feel seen, right? That human. And so even though they're not human, they're these avatars. But anyway, it's just, yeah, it, it's what comes up. It's so easy to do that. And it's like, yeah, we're not listening. We're not seeing people. Um, and we have to. I mean, our humanity demands it and asks for it. And um, and the, and I, I think, you know, you, you think about this. You put a bunch of us together who maybe don't even realize that we're attached to our rightness, that we're armoring up, that we're self-protecting, right? We're just going about our days. So we don't even have the awareness that we're doing that. And now you put a bunch of us together in a family, in a community, on a team, in a workplace, and you wonder why some organizations are struggling more than others. Well, because we're not tending to the humanness that is coming from the outside world. And so how do we give a common language for people? How do we give them the tools to be more self-aware? How do we create a common language so that we can name it, we can own it, and we can help each and support one another to move past it, right? Um, and, and then how do we build skills um, to effectively do that? And I think that that's really the opportunity and that's the work that we've been doing a ton of. And when people do the work, 
it makes a huge difference. And when they don't, and they think it's magically going to go away, it surfaces in all kinds of unproductive ways. You can't, you can't go around it. You have, we call it the messy middle. You have to go through that messy middle. There isn't a shortcut around it. I wish there was, but not so much. <laughs> there really isn't. And, and like you said, uh, this doesn't even mean it's all happening at work, but people come to work and they bring everything that's happening outside of work to work. And so it definitely bleeds over. And we as leaders definitely need to be cognizant of this. And we have to be proactive about creating a psychologically safe space and, and a, a create a culture where you have a healthy way uh, and healthy mechanisms in place to deal with the stuff that people bring with them, right? So there's yep. no way that our teams, if we have diverse teams, of course, they're going to have different perspectives on a whole range of social, political, economic issues and whatever, like they're not going to agree on everything. And very quickly, you know, they, we could devolve down into this, like this never ending pit of, of judgment and labeling and distrust. Uh, so we have to be able to get past that. Um, and it all starts with just having modeling really good, healthy conversations amongst your team, giving people an opportunity to speak up, to speak out, to, to be seen, to be heard, to feel understood. Um, and even if you have people with vastly different points of view with huge disagreements on even fundamental issues, um, you know, if, if people can feel seen and heard and they can feel that the other person values them, you know, then, then largely we can get past it and we can at least have some common ground and build upon the common ground. So uh, we have our, like you said, you've said a couple of times, we have our work cut out for us. This is not easy. This is tough stuff, but as long as we're focused on getting past like the people as widgets mentality and people are people, people are human beings. We need to treat them as such. If we can get there, that's a great starting point. And then we can start to be proactive about creating that healthy environment. Well, Rosie, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a couple minutes. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I could talk to you for hours. So uh, there's two different places you can find my uh, professional brand website, drrosieward.com. I have a podcast there as well, show up as a leader and you can blogs and all kinds of info there. We have some courageous leadership programs going on. My business website is salveopartners.com and that's where you can get in touch for leadership development, purpose work, consulting. Uh, we also have some, we train other consultants in our platforms. And we also have a couple books there as well on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Dr. Rosie Ward on Twitter, Dr. Rosie, you can find me on LinkedIn. So I'd be happy to chat more um, and connect. And I just, I, I'm just thankful that anybody that wants to seize an opportunity for a better future, it's not easy. It is a, there is a messy middle, but I always say, you know, one of my driving forces is building community, that this is not a solo journey, that culture is not the CEO's responsibility or the HR person's responsibility. It's everybody's. And I get so inspired by this community we've been building of, I'll just say, kick-ass leaders who are out there trying to create more human workplaces and they inspire me each and every day. And so I just think more people that are out there trying to advocate for human workplaces, the better we're all going to be. I love it. Thank you, Rosie. It's a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Rosie and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.
the alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.